Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. And just like that, we're coming to the final week of January, and it feels almost like yesterday that the GST rate in Singapore went from 8% to 9% at the start of this year. So it makes sense, you know, for you to wonder about a reliable method to build passive income uh, as a financial goal for many. So one intriguing avenue that captivates most investors would be the appeal of dividend growth stocks. So on today's show, we'll delve a little bit into the reasons behind the attractiveness of dividend growth stocks and how you can cultivate passive income through that. We'll also talk about five money hacks that you need to know for this year because, you know, with costs going up, it is likely that this would come in very handy in the next few weeks and months ahead. So joining us to show us and give us more insights on how we can stretch the dollar while building up passive income is Tim Phillips, the founder of Tim Talks Money. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, Dan. How are you doing? I'm excited to help your listeners uh, save money and hopefully build some passive income as well. Yes, I'm very, very excited for this. (laughs) Talking about money, money, money. And yes, Tim. The first thing we have to talk about is mm. the GST increase, right? And you're yeah. going to generously fill us in on your top five money hacks for 2024. But before that, I want to get, mm. you know, just a sensing from you. How's the GST, the GST increase been like for your spending so far? Yeah, well, I think for myself, I guess this is going to vary from, from person to person. But you definitely do notice it on things like, like dining out yeah. or just discretionary spending on, on even going to the supermarket or going to to buy uh, discretionary goods on you know say kids clothing or 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 other other clothing items i think these types of items are really starting to uh, add up yeah uh, so i think cooking and staying in obviously is, is something that you should be trying to do more of uh, mm. eating out is maybe more of a, a treat every so often if you do want to spend some money but yeah. that gst impact is definitely is definitely uh, being felt more when you go out and eat or when you go out and spend money on, on, on shopping. And also, mm. if you're thinking about paying for fees or if you're paying insurance premiums, I think it's being felt across the board. Yeah. So I think, you know, that generally the GST is, is seen as something that is a tax that impacts everybody equally because you, you or I mean, in terms of the actual the actual dollar amount, everyone has to pay the same, right? No matter yeah. who you are. Um, and so I think for... For everybody across the, the spectrum, you, it, you will be seeing that. Yeah. Um, you'll be seeing that impact you in terms of in terms of what you're spending on. So I think it's something to watch out for and where we can save. And I definitely think we should be trying to aim for that. Yes, and uh, eating in. And I think we need to get your secret recipe on how to cook, Tim. <laughs> Not just on money hacks, but yes. Let's I don't talk- know if you want my food, Dan. Sure <laughs> I think it's worth a shot. <laughs> but yes, okay. Now, let's dive yeah. into the heart of the matter and talk about the right. five money hacks you have for this year. Now, you know, I look across the internet and there are tons and tons mm. of money hacks out there for us to use. But yeah. maybe before we get into it, can you tell us what makes yours different, like the five? And how were you able to you know, decipher and come up with five money hacks out of everything. I think think it's across, you know, everything from making use of your cash to to investing to making use of everyday services and and also the psychology of it, right? So I think a lot of the money hacks out there, it's the kind of thing that you always see, just uh, do this 
have a spreadsheet, do this. Yeah. But I think we're human, so we really need to be more in touch with the emotional side and how we think about money and how we are planning out our financial wellness, right? right? And I, I don't think you should be guilted if you want to go have a whatever $5 coffee or $6 coffee every so often. And, mm. and if that gives you pleasure and that gets you through the day and that, that's a good way for you to start the day, then there's other ways that you can cut back or there's other ways that you can think about saving money. So I think it's, it's more about being real and being true to yourself yep. and really thinking about how you spend as a person because your budgeting and your needs and your desires are going to be completely different to the next person. It's just like in investing. So wow. I think the way that you live your lifestyle, the way that you want to live, the way that you want to plan is going to be different. And, and you really should just be honest with yourself about that and then plan accordingly. So I think that's what I try and bring to, uh, to the table with these. Wow. I really like that. I like that you mentioned human because, I mean, mm. if you're just going to look at the template that you see online, you know, exactly. stop spending $5 on coffee. But, you know, if yeah. it makes you happy, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. it's just being practical. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. yes. Thanks a lot for that, Tim. So, let's just dive into it and talk a little yeah. bit about the money hack. So, what's the first hack you have for us this year? Okay. So, the first hack is, you know, delivery options are so plentiful out there. You know, we go and maybe we deliver food or if we're younger and we're single or even if we're married and, and we get into the habit of getting these delivery services to deliver our food, whether that's Food Panda or Grab Food or, or what have you. I think that starts to build up. Obviously, eating out is already not cheap and then even delivering food in is expensive as well. So for me, it's become more of a treat. You just do it maybe, you know, even myself, I only do it maybe three or four times a month. Mm. But when you do, if you do have to, to use a delivery service, try thinking about picking up the food if you have a restaurant that's near you because even going to the restaurant and ordering and eating there you know can be more expensive than actually just picking it up with one of these subscriptions so for example if you use food panda you can actually get 10% off the pickup price just going into the restaurant to pick up the food wow and if you happen to be on their subscription i think you get an extra 10% off as well so this is something that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of but if you actually go to pick up the food you can actually save more than eating at the actual restaurant so some oh. examples in some restaurants you can actually you, it's actually cheaper I think for example at Shake Shack I the, 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 the burger place I went to pick it up and I ended up looking at the menu items and I actually saved money just picking it up with the Food Panda app oh, so wow. I think you can do this with Grab you can do this with Food Panda I think if I have a subscription so that costs about maybe $8 but if you're using it if you $8 a month if you're using if you're eating at least you know if you're using the, the service at least three or four times a month you'll definitely make that up. Um, so it's something to think about if you are living close maybe to something or if you just want to go get a walk. I think you fit in a 10-15 minute walk there on the way back even if you don't live within two minutes. If yeah. you're getting a walk in, I think you get your steps in which is good so you keep healthy. You go pick up your food, you come back and you've done your exercise and you've saved money at the same time, right? So right. I think that's something that we're not aware of a lot of the time is going in, eating eating at the restaurant or you know, uh, even, even ordering at the counter can be more expensive than yeah. if you just think about one of these apps and saving with pickup because delivery is what costs the money that you're paying for the person to come deliver you know the free partner driver yeah. the grab driver to come to you with the food so if you are happen to be close by that's why they give you these discounts so i think it's something that we should be taking more advantage of if we live say within 10 or 15 minutes walk and we are able to walk and we do have that desire to save yeah. then i think it's a great way just to save money on your food and also a great way to also fit in some steps every day as well wow fantastic I never knew that was the case for mm. self-collection because, you know, usually yeah. when I think of Grab or, or Food Panda, I mean, if yeah. I even think of using it, I associate it with higher costs. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's what I... 
useful. And then I, I did this comparison when I went to pick. I was shocked that, that you could actually get it cheaper from pickup than ordering at the restaurant. So it's wow. very strange. But yeah. <laughs> but it's something to it's something to it may not be the case for every restaurant that you come across on, yep. on the app, but it will definitely be close. I think, and I think it's a great way to uh, to save money and to also, as I said, get some exercise in as well. Fantastic. We're off to a good start. So try picking yeah. up your own food when using delivery options because you might even be saving more money than eating in mm. uh, the restaurants. All right, thanks for that, Tim. Now, what's the second money hack you have for us? Well, I think something that is really topical at the moment is yield, right? I mean, how much our cash we have and the amount of money you can get or the amount of yield rather that you can get just in seat, sitting in cash or just sitting in, in a fixed deposit, which mm. I think is totally valid. And so that's one reason why there's a lot of commentary in markets about a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines and money market funds, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's true. But what we should be thinking about is, are we getting the yield that we deserve on perhaps the emergency funds that we have or the cash that we have, right? So a lot of the big banks now, they're not really offering that attractive a rate on interest unless you jump through a few hoops. So I think, you know, there's yeah. some UOB accounts and maybe DBS and, and OCBC. The big guys yeah. usually give you some decent yield, yeah. but you have to jump through however many hoops yeah. and, and you've got to spend on this, you've got to buy insurance, you've got to invest in the unit trust. So so there are lots of things to get these extra percents and, and it's just a bit of a headache. So, so I think for people who aren't maybe, you know, I guess partial to doing that and don't really have the time to monitor it, yeah. then there's the option of putting it into something that is also safe yielding that gives you some yield on your on your disposable cash as we know if you have an you should have an emergency fund uh, of 6 to 12 months of, of your income needs of your requirements just in case anything happens for you you have a, a medical emergency or you you get made redundant etc you should have cash that's liquid right and then you're not investing into the market and so that cash now you can actually get a yield on whereas pre-covid or during covid when rates were basically zero you wouldn't have been able to get anything on that and it would have been sitting Mm. in cash not earning you anything Mm. but nowadays you can put that to work and you can actually get a decent amount so i think if you look at the options there's obviously the fixed deposits if you if you want to go that route there's the treasury bills with the singapore government but those are are locked in for say six months and you're getting yields of maybe three-ish percent you know on Singapore savings bonds, which is much more liquid. I think you're getting about 2.7, 2.8. So it's not great. But money market funds have become really the choice for a lot of investors who are looking for yield. And in Singapore, you have a decent amount of options. But the biggest one by far is the the Fullerton uh, Cash Fund, Mm. which gives you, I think, a yield that's close to sort of maybe 3.8 to 3.9% after after fees, after the management fee. And so I think you can do this mainly through a lot of the robo-advisors, you know, the the endowances, the SIFs, the statuary, they they offer that on either your cash, CPF, or SRS uh, funds. Right. So if you do happen to have that cash, that should really not be an SRS, rather, or your CPF, it should be in cash, your, okay. your emergency fund. Yeah. But you should be getting some yield for that, right? Because mm. if you're having it sitting there, you want to be making some money, um, which I'll get to later for, yeah. for the title of the book, Sleep and Earn. But you should be trying to earn money while you're sleeping. You should really be trying to get a return on your money. And the Fullerton Cash Fund is basically investing into short-term fixed deposits, right. Singapore dollars across a variety of institutions. So do note that it's not insured by the SDIC, so that doesn't it doesn't it's not covered by the hundred thousand. But again, if you have more than a hundred thousand, you're only gonna get insured up to a hundred thousand on, you know, your your bank deposits and mm. your fixed deposits. So if you have above that, then you should be putting it uh, into something else. And for me, something that gets you a yield that is literally I mean close to no risk, it's low to no risk, yeah. um, then I think some of these money market funds uh, deliver a lot of value for uh, for people who are looking to save. Yeah. And, and to get a yield. 
Okay, diversification yeah. as well. Yeah, it's important yeah. to raise about the hundred uh, $100,000 uh, insurance as well. So thanks yeah. for bringing that up. So mm. the second point we have here would be to get the yields that you deserve. And if, let's yeah. say, going through the prerequisites of you know the banks uh, in terms of getting yeah. the yields that you deserve, it's a lot of hassle. Maybe you want to consider money market funds, bonds, yeah. treasury, um, yeah. treasury yields as well. Those are good options yeah. to choose from. Thanks for that, Tim. Mm. Now, what is the third money hack you have for us? Okay, so the third one is is really more of a of a self reflection and just just really trying to focus on your money wellness and your financial wellness. And I think really having a what I like to call a money power hour every week. So you just sit down maybe on a Sunday night or mm. you sit down on a, a nice evening with a gl- with a glass of wine or or, or whatever you're having mm-hmm. and just really pound out the, the the money objectives that you have and go through what you need to do. So either that's paying bills or funding your SRS or thinking about your budget. Yeah. And it's not something that we all enjoy doing, mm. I, I would say. So it's best try to, to not think about that so much during the week and just really dedicate a certain amount of window a window of time to doing it and really in if you're doing one hour a week i don't think you should need much more than that to think about how much you know you need to pay for this how much you need to pay for that what you're what you're budgeting for maybe your holiday your next holiday but if doing that by yourself or doing that with your partner your your, your wife your husband your partner yeah. whoever then it becomes a lot more transparent and a lot a lot better in terms of you being able to plan out your financial goals and you can kind of have progress reports and see where you're at and so I think one hour a week is really plenty of time to do that. We shouldn't be thinking about our money all the time and mm. thinking about, oh, we've got to pay this, we've got to pay that. Yeah. But if you dedicate some certain time to it and you, you just knock it out in one hour per week, yep. then I think that's really a good way for you to, to approach your money management and to think about how you want to um, reach your goals longer term as well. I like this one. You know, money stresses out. Money stresses us out a lot. And so it's yeah. good to just sit yeah. down, finish it, and then just don't think about finish it for it. the rest of the week. All right. right. And then you've got next week to, to, to go ahead <laughs> yes. and, 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 and sort of recoup and see. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit um, like let tomorrow worry for itself, you know, about, exactly, about itself. Exactly, yeah. exactly. All right, Tim. Now what's on your fourth money hack? Okay, so my fourth month is looking at if you're thinking about maybe taking a ride, you know, going on one of these ride-hailing apps or you need a ride, I think the important thing is to be aware of all the options that you have and not mm. just go for perhaps the easiest one, Grab. I feel Grab is just too, it's gotten so expensive now. It, it's pretty crazy, even for, for short trips. And I think, you know, maybe a, short, a lot of listeners would agree. So really price compa- doing a price comparison across yeah. the different providers of these ride hailing apps and seeing how much things are, because you'd be surprised how cheap maybe a Gojek could be to a Grab yeah. or how... Uh, Tada! So there are four that I really focus on: is Tada, mm. Grab, Gojek, and Comfort. I mean, Comfort, you know, has really gotten into using in the app as well. So people mm. are able to to, to grab these um, types of rides. Yeah. And a lot of the time, these providers can be cheaper, and they can save you a decent amount of money. You know, right. I've, I've seen Gojek maybe save me thirty, forty percent on certain rides. Wow. And so, if you do need to take a Grab, or if you do need to take a car at some point, and you don't own a car, then I think really giving a price comparison across these different platforms is useful, figuring out how much one is compared to the other and, and seeing if you can actually get that ride for cheaper because default is I'm not bothered I'm just going to get a grab or maybe the default is mm. you know I'm just going to get the comfort but if you can think about just being a bit more flexible about your uh, your apps and 
and understanding your options and maybe the ideal time to get a ride as well, I think it really helps because Grab has become, yeah, I think prohibitively yeah. expensive for, for rides. And so that's definitely one way to, to save is to, is to compare with other providers and try and use them as well. Mm, there are plenty of fishes in the sea. Don't set your option on just one of them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Exactly. Thanks a lot for that, Tim. Now, what's your fifth and final money hack for 2020? Yeah. Okay. So my fifth and final one is think about retirement. I mean, it's one of those things that is really boring that we don't like to think about because mm. it's usually so far away. But if we can get our contributions out of the way earlier in the year, say uh, the supplementary retirement scheme, which for Singapore citizens and residents is 15,300 uh, cap every year that you can offset against your taxable income. Yeah. Uh, for foreigners, that's 35,700, so it's a lot higher. And then also, if you want to do voluntary CPF, right, if you're putting that into your special account or, or whatever, and you have those caps, the voluntary caps that you want to, then think about putting that into contributing early and then investing that, right? Because again, yeah. compounding over time, mm. you don't want to be waiting until the end of the year and then thinking, oh, I haven't really met my caps. Mm. Oh, you know, cash flow issues or think about, think about, I need to, I need to sell this to fund this contribution. So I think really try and plan that out early. See if you can afford to contribute early so you don't really have to think about doing that in the back half of the year. Mm. Because again, the, I guess there are two advantages to that. First off, you get it out of the way, you get it done and mm. you take it off the list early um, in the year. And second, if you're putting that money into stuff like your SRS, you should really be investing that because you're not getting a, a, any any sort of yield on the SRS deposits. You're getting like 0.05%. So it's basically it being eroded by inflation. So yeah. you need to put that into, you know, broad market ETF or, you know, a, a very sort of risk-based portfolio, which is invested in 60, 40 or whatever it is. But basically put it into an investment. You need to mm. start investing it because again, the SRS is long-term. It should be it should be invested into assets that can compound over time. And if you do that at the start of the year, you're getting, you know, what, 10 months ahead of time. Mm. You're getting 10 months extra for that to compound and you're getting out of the way. So I think it's a, it's a benefit. You're allowed... You're allowing that money to grow um, at a faster rate as well because you're investing it earlier. So yeah. if you can do that and you can get those contributions out of the way and then invest them as well, then I think that's a great thing to do. Yeah. You know what I'm taking away from all these five hacks? Never settle. Mm. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you deserve a lot more than what you can get. So plan ahead yeah. and it's important for you to always look ahead, plan for your retirement, you know, get the yields you deserve, reflect on your money as well. Thanks a lot for that, Tim. Definitely. It's a fantastic no five problem. money hack. And just to sum it up, the first hack would be to pick up your own food when using delivery options. The second one mm -hmm. would be to get the yields that you deserve. Banks aren't just your only options. We've got money market funds as well. The third yeah. one would be reflection, you know, um, money objectives. Just try to do it in all, all in one sitting. Don't sit on it for too long. Let it just do it once a week. Don't stress yourself out too much. The fourth one would be yeah. taking a right healing app and be aware, be aware of different options uh, that you have out there. And mm. the fifth and final one would be to think ahead about retirement. Well, fantastic. Thanks a yeah. lot for that, Tim. We've got just a little bit of time left and I would like to co um, cover a little bit about the appeal of dividend growth stocks. And, you know, I know that there is more than one way to invest in dividend stocks. We are talking about high dividends, buying high dividends, opting for steady dividends or seeking out yeah. growing dividends. So talk to us a little bit more about dividend growth stocks and how does it compare to the different approaches? Would, it, would you consider it to be superior to the others? Yeah, so I think for myself and anyone who's thinking about building out a dividend portfolio, 
portfolio, mm. you know, it, it's more important to really think about the sustainability of that dividend, right? Yeah. We don't want the dividend to be cut. That's the last thing we want is the dividend to be cut because you're going to get, usually when a dividend gets cut, you get hit with a double whammy. You get hit with the dividend cut, but you also get hit with the share price, which is mm. going to fall. And so that's bad, right, on both fronts. So mm. Again, I think it's more important about the sustainability of the dividend and also the growth of the dividend. And right. so if the payout ratio is in a reasonable range, and I, I mentioned this in my ebook that I've just written, uh, mm. it should be in the range of 30 to 60%, the dividend payout ratio, so to, to be sustainable. If you have a company that's paying out, you know, say 80, 90% of their earnings in a dividend, then mm. if, their, if their profits get cut by maybe 10 or 20% in a recession, then, you know, they're probably going to have to cut their dividend because they'll probably be paying out more cash than they earn in dividends. So, you want a little bit of buffer when mm. you think about dividend stocks. You want to make sure that there's a mix of dividend stocks. Maybe you have some higher yielding ones mm. um, and you also have some lower yielding ones. Obviously, there's a trade-off, right? If you have lower yielding ones, the, the, the payout ratio tends to be lower, so mm -hmm. there's more buffer. But on the other hand, if they're lower yielding, say 1% to 3%, they're probably growing the dividend faster than stocks that are yielding sort of, you know, 4 5 6%. So mm. I think there's, it's important to have a, a basket and, and really think about it at, from a holistic approach and having having a, a variety of mm. stocks that can provide you with, with regular income. Right. But I think it's important to recognize the, the fact that returns in markets, both in, I guess, in Asia and in the US, a lot of it, if you reinvest dividends, you know, dividends make up a pretty hefty amount of the total return. So the yeah. total return, just to recap, is, is the share price appreciation plus the dividend, right? That's basically your total return. Yeah. And so looking at the S&P 500, just take the biggest index in, in the US, if you'd invested $10,000 into that index in 1960, mm. you know, Based on just the price appreciation alone, you would have ended up with about maybe 640000 in 2022, at the end of wow. 2022, which is which is amazing, right? So wow. 10,000 10, to 640000 But if you'd reinvested those dividends over time in the S&P 500 and continue to reinvest, your total would have been around $4 million, My right? Goodness. So that would have been about over six times higher. So it really shows you the importance and the power of compounding um, the dividends and, you know, reinvesting them into, into, the, into you know, the index or into the stock or whatever. If you have uh, if you have confidence in the companies that you own, and so I think it's important that we build a very you know a very holistic approach to to building a dividend paying portfolio, yeah. and you identify the companies that have the track record of raising it, have the the defendable business moat. Um, and you have a good amount of diversification, right? You're not mm. just owning, I don't know, a few dividends, like two or three stocks. Yeah. Um, and you own a lot of broad market ETFs as part of your portfolio. And you have a lot of exposure to maybe regional ETFs and, and et cetera. So mm. I think it's, it's good that this can build a, a sort of complementary amount of passive income because you want to be building different streams of income. And dividend stocks definitely give you that that freedom to, to really build up a portfolio that can actually provide uh, dividend growth. And so dividend growth for me is anything where a growth, the company is growing the dividend mm. on average over 10% per year, which should really easily beat inflation. Yeah. And so that's something that isn't maybe all too common in Singapore. There are some, maybe some, some of the banks right now are doing very well. They're, mm. they're, they're growing their dividends at a, at a good rate, but that's because obviously interest rates have gone up and they've got a massive amount of profits from net interest, uh, net interest income and net, their net interest margin is expanding. Yeah. And so there are different types of sectors
investors, different types of different types of stocks that can that can provide that passive income. Right. But I think building a diversified portfolio of mm. uh, you know global stocks, whether that's in Singapore, or whether that's um, in Europe or in the U.S., it's important that you have a global approach, just like you do with investing in markets. Right? Mm. If you're thinking about markets, you should really think about the U.S. as the biggest because it makes up 60% of the global market cap, and then you should think about other areas in the world that make up another certain percentage of market cap and invest accordingly. So I think it's important that you don't just focus on the US, you don't just focus on Singapore. I think you have a very uh, a very good mix of stocks from around the world. Because the US, I know there's a lot of people that say, oh, the dividend tax, that's really putting me off. You know, you pay 30% in the US um, yeah. because they get taxed at that rate, right? And that's mm. a hefty chunk, so there's no point. But a lot of these companies in the US, you can identify a lot that are that are market leaders in their particular vertical or in particular niche, and they can be growing their dividends at maybe 10, 15, 20% per year over a long stretches of time. Right. So that whole yield uh, on cost, that co- concept of when you buy the stock, uh, what it will be worth, you know, what it will be paying out in a dividend in, in five or 10 years, yeah. it will be completely different. The equation will be completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, I encourage listeners to really focus on two things, like focus on the dividend, which is one part of the, the stock, mm-hmm. and then also the, the share price. Right, because the share price is important. Yeah, and a lot of these dividend growth stocks, they um, they can reward shareholders as well on the, on the share price aspect as right. well as the dividend growth aspect. So that's something to keep in mind. But I have written an ebook, that, yeah. as you okay. as you just kindly mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Sleep and Earn. Uh, so you know, I uh, I'm giving it out free to to radio listeners to to your listeners. Uh, wow. So please do go over to timtalksmoney.com okay. um, and sleep and earn is there. You just have to subscribe to my newsletter. It's under under the featured articles. You'll be able to just subscribe. You'll get a uh, a code, a discount code, which will give you 100% off the cost. I'm just putting it out for five dollars at the start, um, and it's really just a collection and an introduction to to dividend growth stocks and how I approach thinking about about growing uh, passive income, um, wow. you know, from a from a long term perspective, and not mm. just playing the yield game and thinking really holistically about it. Mm. So please do check it out. And so that the the radio the, the code for listeners is radio free, but you'll be able to get the code anyway. It'll be emailed to you once you uh, once you sign up. Yep. But please do sign up for my newsletter, and you'll yep. be able to download the book for free. And I, I lay it out all there for for listeners. Fantastic! Wow, thanks a lot for that, Tim. And thanks no and thank you so much for your generosity. Sleep and earn at Tim. TimTalksMoney.com. Go get your ebook copy and be a dividend growth stocks investor today. <laughs> now, I've been yes. speaking to Tim Phillips, the founder of Tim Talks Money, about five money hacks that you need to know this year and the appeal of dividend growth stocks as a way to build up passive income. Thanks a lot for joining us this morning, Tim. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks for having me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.